Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in on a little bit of everything with me, your host, Angelica. And welcome back to another episode of A Little Bit of Everything with me. Today, my guest is an actress, model in New York City, and made appearances in several shows, movies, and commercials. She's got so much going on. (laughs) And of course, she's a fan of reality TV. Please help me welcome Michelle Miller to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing so well. Thank you for having me here. Well, it's a it's an honor because you are such a busy bee and I cannot wait to learn more. You've even got a book coming out. So before we even get started, tell us a, tell us a bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks. Um, I appreciate that. I uh, am a native New Yorker, so born and raised in, in Manhattan, uh, Manhattan proper. And uh, I've always wanted to be an actor. So for since maybe six or seven, I had a, my first drama class in elementary school and I was like, this is it. I heard you can, you can do this forever, that they were adults who do this as a career. And I was like, you had me. And, uh, and I started doing just school plays and I was on the Rosie O'Donnell show, the TV that talk show. When I was in second grade, we were in two episodes. It was like a few people in the school were chosen to, to be on the show. And so much fun. And then uh, when I was like 12 or 13, I was cast in an off-Broadway play. So those were like the, the professional gigs I had growing up. But everything else was really just school plays, choir, like all that stuff. And then in college, I was in stuff. Um, and I realized, wow, I don't really see myself in the future being like on stage, which is really what I'd predominantly been doing. Um, but I really see myself in film and TV and always have. So I'll, immediately switched gears was like okay how do I start this tv and film career and um, I started doing student films and that's how most people start really Mm -hmm. and just started working and and building from there wow that's awesome and when you were young who did you look up to oh man I yeah I mean obviously I want to say Meryl Streep even though Mm -hmm. everyone says that but I do remember there was a moment I just every time I see I saw her in in anything I would be obsessed and then I remember after college I was like I'm going like I missed school I was one of those nerds that loved school so I missed school and I was like I'm gonna create my own school and I literally made myself a binder and wrote all of the (laughs) all of the movies that Meryl Streep had that I had not seen. And there were like 15. I mean, she has a lot on her plate. And uh, I just went through it and I would review it in this binder. This was wow. at like 22. So not, not young enough to feel like that's, that's my training. But I was like very obsessed. Uh, but growing up, you know, I, I feel like I had the same sort of like actors and actresses and TV shows that other people had, you know, like I was obsessed with cartoons growing up and watched all of the like hey arnold rugrats like that mm. sort of nick nick <laughs> nickelodeon stuff and then you know full house family matters all that stuff so just i'd watch them and i'd watch their comedic timing and 
that's kind of, but like I said, I really just did stage growing up. So I really, I mean, I looked up to the people who were in casts with me, like older actors in, uh, in, in my high school productions. And when I was in the off-Broadway play, they were like, it was the first time I was working with professional actors and actors that had, you know, were going to LaGuardia and, you know, school of performing arts. So like, wow, mm. you guys, you do this a lot. Like I'm doing this for fun, but you guys are doing this. Mm-hmm. So I'd look up to them and, and ask them questions about how the industry worked and what their favorite things were. And I would watch them act and their, and their preparation for it. I'd be like, how do you prepare for this stuff? And it was, mm-hmm. it was just a different world. Like I was introduced to meditating even though I didn't pick it up again until much later. But I remember mm-hmm. being like, I love to meditate before going on stage. Mm-hmm. So those were the people I looked up to. It, it seems like, you know, a lot of us who are listening, who are probably either considering or kind of curious of how this journey starts for an actor or actress. Like, do you feel like it's still the same back in the day when you started to compare to now? Is it, is it a lot more like there's more people into it? Was last year easier when it came to auditions and stuff? Like, how does that whole process work? Cause I really, I don't even know. Like I, when I see movies, I'm just like, oh, it's this person again. Okay, cool. Like they're doing a different yeah. genre of film or, oh, look, there's an up and coming star. Like you really see potential because of the character they played, but you know, it's, can you are you able to explain like the process of it all because uh, I feel like some people don't really understand well it's it's funny you say that because actually one of the things so I'm writing this book I was telling you the business Mm -hmm. it's like a business of acting book Mm -hmm. and I wrote it predominantly because I would get those questions from people in and outside the industry being like how does it work how's this process how does it go from you know, an idea to you see it on television. How do, where do, where's my part in the whole process? And so actually part of my book is just explaining that. Like, I'll be like, this is the casting process. This is the audition process. Like very different, but definitely something I get asked all the time. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, I can definitely sort of break it down a little bit for you. I don't know exactly mm-hmm. if you're wanting to know the process of like casting something, cause I can go into that. If you want to know the process of like where I fit in terms of auditioning or, you know, the history of it and how, you know, I'd go from when I was younger till now. So what would you want me to focus on at least for now? Well, just, I guess a little bit of the process, because I don't want okay. the book to be spoiled, because if you got a book oh, coming out, I definitely want to be it's, interested in that. <laughs> thank you. No, I mean, okay, so the process is really interesting, and it and it varies a little bit between TV, film, commercial, you know, theater, mm-hmm. all that stuff. But, you know, if you're, if you're taking a television show, for instance, you have this writer, let's say they wrote maybe a pilot of a TV show. Usually they have a few episodes sort of written down already, maybe, and it, even an idea for the next season. So a lot of it's sort of written, um, sometimes they'll pitch it before, but they'll pitch it to the client, which are producers. And there's usually a showrunner attached to it. Sometimes the showrunner is the writer, but they're the ones that like really sort of attend to the whole process from beginning to end. They're really, it's like their baby, right? The showrunner runs the show. And they, you know, it's not the director, it's the person who brings everyone together, really puts it together and uh, runs it. And, and they're really sort of the client when it comes to casting it. A lot of times it's the showrunner who has final say. Sometimes they work at it with producers. But basically you have, let's say, a pilot, you have an episode of a TV show, it goes to a casting office. Usually a casting mm-hmm. office will be responsible 
for the whole season. Sometimes if it's a network show, if it's like a, a, w, a CW show, they'll cast the first episode and give it to another casting office, which is kind of interesting. But let's say you have this casting office and they see an episode of a show. They will write down all of the roles from big to small, from the main character, the series regulars, that's what they're called. They're on every, every, uh, every week to the ones that have one line, which are called co-star roles. Oh. So you have series regulars, you have guest stars. So guest stars are those main people on that episode, the ones that they might not come back for another episode. They might. They might mm -hmm. be a recurring guest But it's the ones that, like, that episode is about them. That particular episode, like, let's say if it's a medical show, like, do you watch Grey's Anatomy ever? I used to, yeah. Okay, so you have an idea. So the main characters are obviously the series regulars. They have a very big cast. But let's say they're they're focused on one patient or at least a couple. Those are going to be the guest stars. Like the ones that like that episode, I I'm that girl who, whose daughter who, you know, like got mm -hmm. sick and I'm freaking out about it the whole time. And that gets tied into their main storylines. That's the guest star. And then everyone else really are co-stars. So they're the ones that have one to maybe 10 lines, sometimes six lines. They bring, they, they sort of bring the story together and like, they drive the story forward. So if you're going to a Starbucks and you need a snack, that, that barista is going to be like, do you want a coffee with that? And that's their only line, but they're a co-star role. And they're cast by the same office. Mm -hmm. So you get, a, you get a script. You have a bunch of roles to cast. Often the series regular roles are offers. So those like main people in a movie or main people in a television show, many of them are offers. Some of them are, you know, have auditions. But they need those offer roles with those big name actors so that they can get financing. Um, that happens a lot with films. But then the smaller roles, so you make a list of all the guest stars, you make a list of all the, the co-star roles, and then the casting directors will go through their network and be like, who would be good for that? Who would be good for a role that's like a principal of a school? And we want him to be tough but friendly. And we need that vibe from him, but also someone who believably could be principal age and they'll make what's called a breakdown i can talk about this forever so i don't want to like go too far into it but they'll make a breakdown which is the description of the character what their age range if there was an ethnicity requirement or is it open ethnicity it could be anybody um and then like some brief description and then they they put that on a website a specific website and only agents and managers see that website wow so only people who have agents and managers can get seen or not really seen, but get submitted for those roles. So unless you know the casting director personally and they'll be like, oh, Michelle Miller would be great for this role. Let me just email her quickly. I don't know her representation, if she has one or not, but I met her before. She's really great. Let me bring her in. Most people who get those appointments for auditions have agents and managers who submitted them. So, and then let's say you have one role and it's three lines. Okay, Angelica. And so three lines, really small, not a big deal. It could be, you could have 2000 people submitted for that role wow. and chances are, yeah, 2000, 2500, 3000, it could be anything. And chances are they'll only see, I'm going to say an average of 20 people for that role. Wow. So you're really, you know, you're getting people that you feel like you can trust to do it, whether it's an agent you trust or whether it's an you know, actor you've brought in before. But chances are they might even bring only 10 people. They might bring 30 people. It kind of depends when they get what they want. 
And then they choose their favorites and they send them to the showrunner to choose. So wow. that's kind of how that part works. And then television's so quick. You can book something on a Monday and shoot it on a Tuesday. Oh, <laughs> it's so quick. They cast usually a week out or a week or two sometimes out, but sometimes they cast the day before, like if it's a last minute thing. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so you really have to be available for the next couple weeks in order to come in for it. Wow, that is crazy. Like, it, so when you're on set and everything's been finalized, you guys are doing a scene and, you know, everyone's ready to roll. Um how stressful can it be and how do you how can you control it is everyone just out of place like bouncing off the walls or everyone can I can imagine how much like the amount of people you've got the extras yeah. you've got like you yep. people are probably exhausted like from your experiences have you felt like times were stressful and you guys kind of have to keep it together because maybe there was 3,000 takes well I don't know if it's ever been that high but um, I know I'm over exaggerating yeah but how do a lot of takes yeah a lot of takes in line and how do you keep it together you know a lot of these sets especially the it's it's so different because there's different types of sets when you Mm -hmm. have a television set unless they're really early and they're getting to sort of know each other on the crew most of the time they're so like they have it down to a science uh, i you know especially shows like I'm, i was on blue bloods as you know and they've been they've been on for a few seasons now they have a system they know what they're doing even if it's a lot of takes of the same thing you could tell that structure that system is already in place and they've got you so you're just a, a person in the midst of this whole thing that that they've been doing for so long mm-hmm. you definitely don't feel like too you know crazy and chaotic mm-hmm. um and and even like i remember on blue bloods we were filming this very it was a very there were so many people in the scene so it was a big scene i only had one line so you wouldn't think it would be that long I shot that. I said, I maybe said that line 60 times that day. And that's not an exaggeration. It was one line 60 times because there's, there maybe was like, there were like 10 major, uh, 10 principal actors. I mean, it's 10 people who have lines mm-hmm. in this one scene. So they had to shoot it from all these different angles and they shot each one a few times. And then there were all these extras. So you have to pan to the extras. And there was a wide shot. And there was a shot of the police coming from the side. So there's all these different shots that they have to include. Um, and it was all in the same scene. So you're probably going to say your line 60 times. And, um, anyway, I remember one of the extras got a little out of hand. They, they like kept yelling in the middle of the scene, like they wanted to have a sort of say, or they wanted to have some involvement. And so I think it happened twice before that person was like kicked out. And oh, you never wow. felt like you were like, wow, I can't believe this happened. But they have such a system in place. They, they have someone who's in charge of the extras. That person comes in, brings them out. They're done. They're dismissed. Yeah. It's, so it's very just organized chaos. Yeah. And for someone who's starting out, isn't it just because I've heard this before on actually on a TV show. Mm-hmm. And they've said that if you're starting out, I think it's just best for you just to zip it get on with the day. Don't say anything. Just let them direct you, let them control you because they know what's, what's happening. They've got years of experience. You're just starting out. You're not, you're not in the industry for 20 years to you open up your mouth and say, no, I want it this way or get my good side. Because if not, they'll just kick you out. 
Yeah. Anything that's personal that has to do with you, definitely don't say like, oh, this is my good side. You're going to be a difficult actor. Like don't Mm -hmm. never say those type of things. The only time I would ever say an actor should have some level of comfort saying something. There's two things. One, if it's a safety concern, Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example of that in a sec. And then one is if there is something that you're like, can I try this? And if you have a one or two, three lines, maybe not. If you have more of a thing and you want to maybe you have a little bit of creativity where you're just like, I have this impulse to do this. Can I try it? They might say, no, don't fight them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? If they're like, listen, I actually just want it like this. You're like, perfect. No problem. I'll do it like that. Um, but there might be some level of flexibility, especially if your director seems really nice and they have some time, maybe they shot it the way they want it to. And you're like, Hey, I could try it like this. And they might be like, that's great. Didn't even think about that. So you want to like read the room. A lot of it's reading the room, seeing if they're Mm -hmm. open to any sort of creative input. I will say, um, I was on a, a movie called winter's tale and it's with like, um, Russell Crowe, Will Smith, Colin Farrell, those people. Mm-hmm. And in my particular scene, which was in the beginning, it ended up getting cut, but it's in the deleted scenes of the DVD. I find a baby and that baby becomes Colin Farrell's character. And, you know, there was a part in it where, you know, it was simple enough. It was outside. We were shooting in Dumbo right by the water. And we were, I was supposed to be walking and I had these very thin moccasin type shoes on. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking and I'm fine. I'm walking. And then, you know, I'm supposed to see this baby. I find a baby and there's moss around the rocks and it was very slippery. And I was like, you know what, if they're not seeing me kind of slip or saying anything about it, I'm not going to say anything about it. And then you take, I, I took a doll out of this place and I'm like, whoa, I saw the baby. And then at some point they're like, okay, it's time for the close up. We're going to put the real baby in your hands. And that's when I kind of turned to them and I was like, if we are going to put the real baby in my hands right now, can we clear some of the moss? Because I will slip and I do not want to slip with the baby. I don't mind slipping if I'm in the, in the, you know, if I'm there. And I think I ended up slipping on my own, like without the baby, obviously, but I slipped and I fell on my butt and was like, are you okay? And I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Let's clear out some of this moss before you give me the baby. Cause I didn't mind really if I got hurt, but I did mind if I was going to hold a baby. And in that way they were like, okay, thanks for telling us. And they cleared it out and they were totally fine. And they weren't aware that that was that slippery. But when mm-hmm. there were so many people, I mean like that set had so many people there and I definitely didn't want to like start anything. But as soon as I was like, Oh, they're going to put a baby in my hands. I have to say something. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that case, definitely feel free to, speak out. If it's a safety concern, if you have some creative impulse that you want to try, you might as well bring it up maybe, you know, but other than that, do not, it's not about you. These shows are not about you. Unless you're a big series regular or the star of a film, then maybe you can definitely have more collaboration, but do not make this about you. You are telling a story, someone else's story. You are blessed to be a part of it and you do your job and you don't make it about you and what you look good doing. Thank you for that tip. I've always, I've always wondered and I'm just like, you know, I wonder if it's kind of hard. It's like starting a new job. Like when you first start. Yeah. Position, like if you're the intern, well, maybe we can just hold, you know, keep it, save it. And then next time bring it up. But Hey, if you're right. been in the company for 15 years and all of a sudden you're just like, Hey, you know what? I want to, you know, take on a role or more responsibility because I can and I can show my worth and sure. Yeah, exactly. Like if that intern is going to give an amazing idea that fixes something, you're going to be remembered as that intern. 
You're like, oh my God, get that intern here. We need, I want that per- that intern to be the one doing this event. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Um, and that's the intern that hopefully will get hired the next summer, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, so you want to be that actor too. If there's some sort of ability for creative input, but it can't be, it, 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 you know, really have to just read the room. If the director and everyone's really intense and they're really kind of stressed and there's like a time factor to it, just do your, just do what they ask you to do. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Now you've done quite a bit of TV, television and commercials. Yeah. And you've also done modeling as well. I have. Yeah. And did you find it was an easy transition or was it a bit different? Oh, good question. I'm, I'm definitely one of those people that, that is an actor first, model second, an actor who can model sometimes. And I find it really fun. There is a bit of a difference, but I, I try to find the similarities a lot. Like I did this jewelry modeling shoot. I do a lot of hand modeling. Mm-hmm. So I, I approached this jewelry modeling, a jewelry company that I really love. And I was like, you know, do you guys look for models? And, and they didn't need just a hand model. They needed my face in it. And, uh, I was like, yeah, absolutely. So we, we collaborated and it was really fun. And I, we, you know, I was shooting a bunch of the stuff and a lot of modeling is just, you know, knowing your angles and I'm starting to really get an idea for mine. And, you know, I, there was a part of it where I felt creatively inclined. Like I just felt like a creative impulse to do certain things. And I spoke to her about it. I was like, can I sit on the floor that she gave me this beautiful dress and obviously beautiful jewelry. And I was like, do you mind if the neck this time around, like, can I sit on the floor and do X, Y, and Z? And I was trying to make all these shapes with like my body and with my face and with my, and that's when the acting came in because not only am I following a creative impulse, which is acting, but also modeling, but also that, those, that jewelry and that look and that sitting down on the floor felt very, um, like gave me a specific energy. And it gave me a specific, like, I didn't think of it as a specific character, but it definitely inspired me and gave me an energy where I felt a little bit of like, mm, you know, like, whatever, like, I, you know, feel elegant and cool and confident. And it gave me that vibe. And that felt like acting that felt from working from the inside out trying to emote something. And those were my favorite shots. And those were just so very like I could see them in a magazine. And, you know, she shot them. So I don't feel like it's as much, you know, it's as much her as me, if not more her. Mm -hmm. But I just felt like that felt like acting because I felt like I was embodying something from the inside, and then emoting it and it looks like a person you could give a story to. Does that make sense? So in a way, there's some similarities that I like to play around with where I'm like, oh, this, this, this look makes me feel like this. And that reminds me of acting. And I feel like it's, it's, if someone's done acting, it kind of gives you an idea of how to pose or portray that, that picture or that image that they're trying to promote with that product. So yeah, it's actually not a bad idea to kind of learn a little bit of the acting before you get into the modeling because it's like, those pictures mean a thousand words. And if they're trying to sell, let's say a vacuum cleaner, you know, you really got to feel it. So when someone's out there seeing that advertisement, you really got to be like, Oh man, I want that vacuum cleaner. Like she, her house looks fantastic. Even though it's just a clean shot, they're taking pictures and she just looks good vacuuming. You know what I mean? That machine looks great. I want it too. And you think of the original, like, major infomercials. Do you ever see the movie Joy with Jennifer Lawrence? 
I don't playing, recall. It's totally fine. She was playing this woman who invented the, the mop, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was interesting because I remember I just watching it and I just found it so great. She was selling this mop. And she's just a person. She created this mop. She's selling it on this infomercial type thing. And she was showing how the mop was different than anything else. It was like a specific kind of mop that that was different. And it seemed so apparent while she was doing it, she was kind of relating to the audience of like, hey, as a mom, I don't have time for X, Y, and Z. I need a clean floor. This other problem, you know, the problems with what we are normally, you know, with you know, would not, like, I felt like I was cleaning with dirty water. I felt like it wasn't, um, you know, rin- whatever it was, it wasn't rinsing properly. And so she in- identified problems that all mothers felt and showed how that her, her mop was better, Miracle Mop. And that's kind of like what actors sometimes have to do or models have to do without speaking or sometimes with speaking, right? Where how are we going to fit whatever it is they want us to so that we can sell whatever product it is. So if you're not able to speak, how can you emote it? If you're trying to look like a mom, how do you, you know, like I I did a commercial where I played a a young mom with like a very small kid and, you know, it's a very simple concept. It was like for a company called Little Remedies Mm -hmm. and, you know, my, my kid had a little bit of like a stomach ache and this was like relief and you drink this product and it made the baby feel good. So very, very simple. Um, And you don't really think about the concept quite as much, but there is a little bit of like, well, what do they need from me? They need a young mom. They need a certain look, right? So that I don't have to do very much for. And they need me to connect with this baby as if it was my own. And they need me to have empathy of like, oh, I really want to fix this problem for my baby. And, you know, a couple other things. So you kind of just think about the character they need you to play. They want this story to be told. How can you help tell the story effectively? And you can do that in modeling without speaking. You can do that in acting with speaking or without. It's just a matter of asking yourself, what are you, what story are you trying to tell? No, for sure. And these are great tips. And this is why you you are coming out with a book. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like I was asked the same sort of questions and I really like talking about it. So I was like, I might as well write about it too. Now with the book, are you in the process, the beginning process of it? Are you, is it halfway? I've written most of it. Oh, wow. That's really exciting. So there's I, I've separated my book into seven parts. I know that sounds odd. It's not really chapters. It's like sections. And each section's like one's marketing. One is classes and training. One is the audition process. One is the casting process. And one is making your own work and self-care. And so there's different parts. And I, I have one more part to do. And then I'll go back, sort of edit stuff, maybe add stories, um, and then figure out how I want to put it together. And that's, and that's when I'll, like, I'll publish it. Um, but it's very exciting. Well, I cannot wait. So whenever you got that book ready, come back onto the podcast I will. and I will. we Thank will promote you. it. That's so <laughs> sweet. I appreciate it. No, honestly, definitely. You can come back anytime, even if it's oh, to talk about reality TV, which we're going to yes! get into. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's not even a guilty pleasure anymore. I'm just definitely just enjoying and embracing my love of reality TV. Yeah, <laughs> for real. And I, I felt like, oh my gosh, like, I'm, why am I watching this? Like, what is it? What do you get from reality TV? 
I don't know. You know, I definitely get stimulated. There is definitely an investment with watching reality TV where mm-hmm. I'm like, I like sometimes can't watch it because I'll be like, I know I'm going to get too overly stimulated and I need to go to sleep soon, you know? Mm-hmm. And other times I don't care. But it's definitely stimulating. You definitely feel invested in people in a different way. Like, as a matter, it's interesting because some people have made the claim that reality TV has taken away like actors and roles in acting, right? They'll be like, okay, most people are watching reality TV. They're not going to watch TV and film the same way. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe in that. I, I once heard um, sort of a perspective on it that I try to, to keep in mind, which is that be, the more and more people watch reality TV, I feel like there's this element of naturalism of watching as much. I mean, listen, not all, not all reality TV is supernatural, but there is something about watching people in their element, in their home, with their kids, with their families, with their friends, and having real life drama about it. Mm-hmm. That makes you want more naturalism from your regular TV and film. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? So when you're watching TV or film, you can easily go, oh, something about that doesn't feel authentic to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, in watching reality TV, you're kind of more used to that authenticity in some ways. For sure. And, but it also depends on the reality TV. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's, yeah, very true. Very true. Like Modern Family, it's not reality, but I enjoy watching it because they've created a show that's in this day and time and how... You know, you've got divorces, you've got deaths, you've got, um, you know, blended quality and, and yeah, exactly. And having this Adoption. blended. Yeah. So I love it because they've kind of took what's happening in this world and made it into a great TV show, which I'm sad about that. Absolutely. It's season. It's ending. I know. And I almost cried watching the preview and I was like, oh my gosh, no, I've been watching this. (laughs) You're like setting yourself up for like, this is going to be hard. Yeah. Just like when Friends, oh my gosh, that's Uh, the very last episode of Friends. Oh my God. I I think the whole world was crying. I still watch clips from that and I remember how sad I was. (laughs) Reliving those moments. And now I watch them and I'm like, oh my God, they were so young looking. <laughs> like yeah. I watch them now and I'm like, they've grown and they're allowed to grow and they look great and it's fine. But mm-hmm. they watch their episodes and like Courtney Cox from 20 years ago is like embedded in your mind as the Courtney Cox. And you see her now and you're like, you look different, but yeah. you're awesome. It's great. No, for grow sure. older. Yeah, exactly. And it's part of life. Exactly. <laughs> so I know you. We have a common interest with Total Bellas. Oh yes, yeah. Did you watch Total Divas though? I did. <laughs> yeah. I stopped watching Total Divas when I started watching Total Bellas, though. I don't know why. There was something about it. It felt like double dipping. I felt like the main reason why I watched Total Divas were the Bellas, and I watched everyone else and I liked everyone else too. But and then when the Bellas made their own show, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm switching over. I don't know why I chose it as an and/or thing, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but I did used to, I used to watch Total Divas. Well, Total Divas this past season, they had Ronda Rousey on it. Oh, you know, actually I saw a couple episodes with Ronda Rousey. Is this her first season with them or was this yes. the second season? Her, their first. Okay, first. And then I definitely saw episodes of it because yeah. I remember she got, they didn't, they get into, she got into a fight with Nikki Bella. Mm-hmm. It was like a whole thing. So I remember mm-hmm. seeing that because it really had to do with the Bellas. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked Ronda Rousey. Yeah, I did too. And I, it was nice to see the actual, like her life because we're so used to, 
um, of her being like the baddest woman. Like yeah. it was, she's played this character for so long, but also it's kind of like herself. So mm-hmm. I was, it was really nice to actually to see what she's really all about outside of the ring, outside of the octagon. And I felt like I, you were getting to know her in a different way. And it was really nice because you're just like, Oh, so you're just like a regular person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> and she seemed really, I liked her. I liked her vibe. I liked mm-hmm. how she talked about herself and what she loves to do. And, um, but the Bellas are where it's at. I don't know why there's something about both of them that just felt like, you know, sometimes when you watch like a band or a show of, you know, reality TV stars, there's always one or two that stick out. Mm-hmm. They stuck out to me for sure yeah same with me and for my reason i feel like because they're twins they yeah. kind of they came from they had no experience in the background like they were just both professional almost professional i think they played professional soccer for a bit but they couldn't move forward um and mm-hmm. basically they just said okay Did you well see their original audition tape yes <laughs> so interesting oh my god yeah so i just felt like you know let me let's just get into this let's sign up to the diva search and let's just make the most Try out of it luck. and that's what they did and it worked and it worked and look at them now they've got that's so many businesses <laughs> I know it's amazing and a winery and mm-hmm. clothing line and a podcast and you're just like good for you yeah. and I love that they were that transitioning out of wrestling mm-hmm. and her neck injury and stuff so it was just like holy crap but how did you feel about her relationship with John Cena oh yes yeah. so you know man I, I had so many feelings about it I felt like I was on this roller coaster with them which I'm mm-hmm. sure is part of it. But I, you know, I, I, I liked, I like both of them as individuals. I don't know much about John Cena aside from really mm-hmm. occasionally seeing him, you know, in the ring with stuff and then like on the show and then obviously his movies, which he's, he's really becoming a big actor now. So he's yeah. having the time of his life. He's having a fantastic career. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I like him as a person and I feel like he seems like a very nice, sweet guy. There was something about them together that although I loved how much they loved each other, you mean people love love, there's an element of like, oh, you guys genuinely love each other. I just never felt like they were right for each other. And I didn't know how they could break up because, you know, you just, you could tell they really loved each other, but they just had different sort of objectives and they different, you know, um, ideas of what they wanted from the relationship. And so it was, it was hard to watch, especially the last couple seasons with them where you're just like, Mm-hmm. oh man you want them to work but you know it's not going to almost mm-hmm. how'd you feel about it i felt like okay first of all seeing john cena outside of the ring was a whole new experience different i was just like there's rules to this house you can't do this you can't do that like i get it he's he's yeah there was a lot of that it was very territorial yeah and it's like you can't do that you can't it's like it was a book of Almost rules. Like, this is my house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a book of rules. It's like, oh my god, do you know how that looks like? <laughs> and I did love their. And also, how- Nikki was so sweet about it. She was always like, "I no. understand. This is his house. Super defensive." You could tell she loved him because she was like willing to accept all this stuff. And on the outside, we're like, "Don't 
don't, it's too much. But she was like, no, I understand. It's his house still. I've just moved into his house. It's not our house. It's still his, you know, all of this is a reflection of his style. Mm -hmm. And like, there's certain stuff that I can and can't do. And you're like, what? <laughs> what are you it's talking true, about? It's true. But like, you know, he's got to have to live a little bit because most of the stuff you don't take with you when you're gone, everything just stays true. the way it is. Right. Like I get yeah. it. He, he, I like the fact that he did express to her, like, I, I, I don't think I could get married again or have children. And yeah. you know, that's great. And, but for her, it's like, she comes from a family of just of unity of family having kids and you know mm -hmm. you just want to grow old together and love and all this stuff and but I, I just didn't feel like it was right for her and you know throughout that whole breakup and the way she was feeling how she was emotionally oh. like confused and what to do and like do, do I keep going do I accept the fact that I can't have children with this man that I love so much and and she me, really tried to accept it like you oh, saw yes. her like she was like I can I can do it because I love him like she just couldn't see herself loving anyone else the way she loved him and she was like it has to be worth there has to have been a reason why we were put on the earth we were we met we love each other this much how could we have to end things like that seemed so crazy to her but because mm -hmm. like it's so and you never want to think you have to choose between who you love and having a family like that's such a hard impossible decision and I, I you know I think it was it was probably the thing that really tied me to the show is is especially that last couple those last couple seasons where you're just like Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you on this journey. And, you know, he's allowed, like you said, he was very forthcoming in the beginning of just like, this is what I want. I don't want this. I don't want this. And there's an element of like, you can understand even why she still went along with the journey. I think part of her was like, he'll change his mind. He'll love me. He'll want to have kids one day. I'll want to get married. That's something we can work through. And it didn't change. And then eventually it did change. They broke up and she, and he was like, I love you. I can marry you. I can even have children. But I think by then she maybe saw what we both said we seemed to see, which is mm -hmm. that there was a little bit of like, he, he's a very independent guy. Yeah. You know, there's, a, there's this image of him like, you know, he's set in his ways and then kind of in a healthy way in some ways, you know, like, what is he? He's in his 40s, right? Yeah. So he's in his 40s. He's lived a life. He's been married. He's had this amazing career. The career is evolving, right? Super successful. And he's like, this is my life and you should fit into this life. Mm -hmm. You should have your own life and you fit into my life and we do this together. And in some ways, that's a healthy way of looking at it. You don't want to be too codependent on each other. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like it's so easy to watch kind of what you said before, which is all the rules that he made. And those rules come from a place of like not being able to integrate well with whomever you're in love with. You know what I mean? Of Like you're allowed to have your own life. You're also allowed to have a shared life. You yeah. know, like, could you, could you imagine him having kids? It's like, oh, you can't touch that. It's expensive. Oh, you can't drop that on the floor because, you know, it's, it's, it's from yeah. whatever Brazil or I'm just naming a country, but like, it, yeah, I, yeah. I, I can see him being like that with a child, but Hey, you never know. Yeah. Some people do change, but you know, the way he is with setting his rules, like you said, independent as well, which is a big one. Um, I just, I, I felt so bad. Like I was just sitting there yeah. like, oh my God, no, yeah. I'm watching and you, and you, want, you want them to be successful together, but then, you know, you saw those things and you're like, and I don't know. I think he just had his own way of 
I wonder if he'd be like that with the next, the next girlfriend. Like, I wonder if he'd learn from that and go, okay, you know, I may have come across a little bit too territorial and a bit too much of a, sorry, there's like motorcycles in the background, but like a stickler with the rules about all this, like that rule book, or he'd go, okay, learn from this with Nikki. Yeah. I know. It's just we'll a lot see. to watch, you know? No, for sure. We'll it was see. sad. It was sad. But now look how happy she is. It's yes. I'm so happy for her. Yeah. And with, okay. I felt like when she did Dancing with the Stars, and okay. I felt like there was something happening as this, as this, really? as these episodes went on and on because when what, they show what that, made you feel that way? You know the clips of them dancing when they give you like a preview of what happened last week or how do they you right. know you, they do that at the beginning or either before they start yeah. dancing? I, she was just so kind of like she was very giddy, like Aww. you know, like. Oh, you know, Artem's like my Russian uh, th- uh, therapist and psychiatrist, and he's just like keeps me balanced, and you know, he really knows how to like work with me, and it's it's like she's listing oh. these positive qualities. That's what I got from it. I don't know, but yeah, well, you were right. I mean, look at what happened. So, yeah, something you saw was was there, and I felt like it was kind of awkward. I don't, I don't think they cheated though. Like, I don't no, think she no. ever cheated. Yeah. I don't think so. It's just like she was, you know, now with somebody else doing this competition. It is a dance. The way they were dancing, they were very intimate. And I mean, you know what dance, you yeah. have to portray it that way because it's an art form. But then, right. you know, as, as I was analyzing the other contestants, you can tell they were kind of just like, yeah, you know, um, so-and-so maybe just, you know, transition this way and that way but with her she was so giddy like every time because if you compare it to everybody else everyone's just like yeah you know it was tough this week I twisted my ankle you know this whatever and she was just so giddy about everything about him I wonder you know in the timeline of their relationships how far after Dancing with the Stars did he did she and um john break up i think it was probably within the year year and a half at least Mm -hmm. but i wonder if it was i wonder there if there's some sort of element of like her obviously developing maybe a crush on artem right Mm -hmm. like a crush nothing like you know it's not it's not you know some you know we people have crushes all the time we're just like there's something about this guy there's something about this girl i'm not gonna act on it but like i definitely feel a connection but i'm not gonna act on it because i'm not there Um, but you know, I wonder if she had that. And then there was some element of like, this is how I could feel about someone else. Maybe that changes things for you. Like maybe that was part of the journey to get to a place where she was able to even contemplate a breakup with John because you know, the way she used to talk about John, it was definitely like, you could definitely see how much they loved each other. Oh yeah. And, and maybe, and you were, there was a period of time you definitely saw her and she was like, there's no way I can end things with him. Like she would talk to Brie and Brie would be like, you obviously want kids. And she's like, no, I cannot <laughs> let go of this relationship. He and I are meant to be together. We're soulmates. We're this. Mm-hmm. Maybe there was something in being just a you know dance partner with Artem and having that crush and having someone who made you feel also balanced and also grounded. Mm-hmm. There was an element of like, oh, someone else could make me feel this way if I let them and give them the time. Yeah, I don't know. We, we I don't won't know. know until because we won't the- know. Is it third season that they've just finished and they're going on so. fourth? I think but so. I think that's correct. 
yeah towards the end of the previous season we see her go on the, this motorcycle with artem and i'm just like and she was contemplating uh-huh. like do i do it because the universe is really telling me um i shouldn't because it's like a huge publicity thing that i was you know there was something happening during dancing with the stars but then my heart's telling me I should give it give it a shot, and she was just like, "Do I do it? Do I not? Do I, I do it? Do I not?" I thought it was a publicity thing at first. Did you feel that way? Like I thought, like I remember when they introduced that whole thing. I remember like she had also gone, I think, on a date with the Bachelor or someone related to the. Yes, like she was dating, so she was dating, and I thought she was dating him, and she was dating. She went on a date with Artem, and I thought in my head there was a little. There was obviously chemistry, but I was also like, maybe she's just going on dates with people that she feels like would like be commercially fun for people to watch like it'd be fun mm-hmm. for her to date someone from the bachelor it'd be fun for her to date a dance partner that everyone thought she had something with mm-hmm. and then when it turned into something i was like oh no never mind maybe it started <laughs> off that way but it definitely is not <laughs> i was kind of rooting for oh, the guy indeed. from the bachelor <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, you ever wow, watch they the Bachelor? Um, I did at the beginning, but I was kind of like, I, I don't know what it's, I know everyone's like, oh, you should watch, you should watch it. But I did when I'm, when they first came out, I did a couple seasons, but I was yeah. just like, I don't know. I don't know if and it's the people that they like pick that it's always the same type. And I, I hate to say this and I'm sorry, yeah. but like, it's always like the same type and it, it's never you know a different type of person it's always like that same general type and I know it's it's so bad to say but it's just like there's no there's no changes it's always like oh it's the same girl okay yeah I I just lost interest it's hard you know it's it's I give them a lot of kudos for having so many seasons because (laughs) there has to be some level of change in order to like have more seasons but at the same time you're right there's very little change up and so you know you're just having the sort of the same concept over and over again but you're really you know it's it's doing so well it's bigger mm-hmm. than ever I mean everyone loves it I've I you know it's hard for me I've, I'm kind of like you I watched a few of the beginning seasons and then occasionally I'll go back to it um I haven't seen this season I've watched a lot of Bachelor in Paradise. For some reason, I'll skip the Bachelor seasons and then go right into Bachelor in Paradise. My roommate, who's an avid fan of the entire thing, she'll explain me some of the stories about each. She's like, okay, this person's from that season. He didn't look good on that season because of X, Y, and Z. Now we're like, people are like warming up to him on this season of Bachelor in Paradise. And I'll be like, for some reason, I enjoy that. I don't know why. (laughs) It's a funny show. I feel like I can talk to you all day. Oh, me too. And we, I feel like we have some, some stuff in common as from this, you know, 45 minutes. It's like, we have reality TV in common. We could talk all day about it. And I'm sure we have other things in common, but I think so too, probably. Yeah. And I'm excited for this book. I'm really excited for this book. I definitely want to read it. And also where can the listeners find you? Yeah. Um, thank you so much. And I definitely will let you know more updates about the book as it goes, as it comes. But, um, so on Instagram, you can find me at, at Michelle Simone Miller. Um, so I use my full name for like stage name purposes. There's a lot of Michelle Millers in the world. So Simone just gets added in there and then Twitter it's Michelle Simone M. Perfect. I thank you so much. Have you ever been to Toronto? I have not. No, I really want to go one day though. Well, if you do decide to come, let me know 
and I will oh, wow. take you around because I've been telling everybody that. <laughs> and That's I feel like really at least this when we We're definitely filming in Toronto. Oh um, yeah. Oh, okay. So if you honestly you see yourself here for a couple hours, whatever it is, let me know. Um, oh, well. I can make it out, and that way I can show you. I feel like when you have somebody that shows you around it's like it makes it a lot easier than being just that lonely traveler unless you like that I don't know some people do which I give kudos to them because I, <laughs> I can't do it do <laughs> it changes things it changes things dramatically when you have someone show you the place though mm-hmm. well Michelle thank you so much for sharing everything and Aww. I'm excited to I'm excited to uh, get your book in my hands so no pressure (laughs) and so much i will definitely let you know about it thank you and it's been an honor to have you thank you for sharing all this information about acting and modeling about how things work and hopefully someone out there can really learn from it and what's one advice could you give someone who wants to become an actor an actress or a model oh um okay definitely um I would say one piece of advice that's so hard. Try to make your own work, you know, try to write something for yourself that you'd like to see yourself playing figure. It's, it's a little bit of a difficulty, but just try to find, write something for yourself. It could be something short, find people to help you film it and then find like, figure out how to edit it yourself and just put it up online somewhere. And that practice is so, you learn so much. So definitely that would be my one piece of advice. Awesome. Well, thank you to all the listeners out there listening to a little bit of everything with me. And thank you to my guest, Michelle Miller. And that's all we have for now. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure talking with you, really. Thank you. Hi, my name is Casey Gonzalez. I'm with Chef Salty Pork. Hello, everyone. It's the Coupon Queen Pen. From the CQP Moments Podcast. Hi everyone, this is Mark the Shark from the Mark the Shark MMA Show. Hi, this is Stephanie Valente, the local massage therapist. And you're listening to a little bit of everything with I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on the podcast platform that you're listening to. That's it for now. And thanks for listening on a little bit of everything with me.